Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm here with Ezra uh, today again, and we're going to be looking at Romans um, chapter 3, 1 to verse 8. So yeah, uh, I think before we do that, let's just do a little bit of a recap. We finished chapter 2 last time, and Paul was specifically talking to uh, the Jews uh, in chapter at the end of chapter 2. Uh, he was talking about how just because you know you're circumcised but you break the law circumcision has no value because you've already broken the law and uh a person is not just a jew who is one hourly i'll actually read the last uh two verses of verse uh, chapter two a person is not a jew who is one outwardly nor is circumcision merely outward and physical no a person is a jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit not by the written code such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. So Paul's just kind of laying it down for the Jews. Like, okay, yeah, we have all this, but that doesn't mean we're saved. Uh, we've already broken God's law. Like if you look through all of Israel's history, they've continually broken God's law again and again and again. That's the whole of the Hebrew scriptures. Just Israel keeps disobeying God. And Paul's saying like, just because we have it, it doesn't mean we're saved because we've already broken it. And here in uh, chapter three, Paul's kind of talking to, like he does this a lot. He's talking to his imaginary opponent. And because I, I always feel like in his head, he's writing these down and he's like, oh wait, someone's going to think about this. Okay, I'm going to write this just in case they, mm. just in case they think that. And he does that a lot throughout Romans. Uh, and we're going to see that actually right now in uh, verses 1 to 8. So, Ed, you want to start us off with that? Yeah, let's take a look at that. What advantage, then, is there in being a Jew, or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar as it is written so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our righteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I am using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone who might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderous claim that we, we say, let us do evil that good may result, their condemnation is just. So coming off of chapter two, uh, Paul is asked this question, like he's bringing up this question because he knows someone's going to think this. What advantage do Jews have then? Well, number one, they've been entrusted with the very words of God. Paul's not against Jews. Like he's a Jew himself. He's a Pharisee, he was a Pharisee, a tribe of Benjamin. He's not saying anything's like wrong with the, anything with, Ju with Judaism or anything like that. But uh, what advantage the Jews have is we were in, they were entrusted with the very words of God. Um, so he goes on to tell them the, what role Israel played and the Jews were the ones who were trusted with the very words of God. Out of every nation, the Jews worshiped the one true God. Out of every nation, not the Philistines, not the Palestines, uh, not the Romans, not the Greeks, nobody, the Israelites worshiped the one true God. 
Now there were, there are stories of people who aren't from Israel who did worship God. There's the story of Abraham and Melchizedek. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like there was other people who did know of God. And then there's even people called the God fears in the gospel or in other books that are Greeks and Romans who do know God. Uh, but don't, but who aren't Israel as well too. But every out of every nation in the world, the Jews were the one who worshipped the one true God and had That's the very words of God. Yeah, it's a privilege. Like peace. Imagine having peace. Like everyone else is full of like all their countries are full of chaos. But God and His grace was like, you know what? I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to bring peace to your land. I'm going to bring fruitfulness to your land, and that's a blessing man, I'd much rather, you know, that is something that I would have chosen way above being a Gentile at that time, you know, even with having the law. That's why, Mm -hmm. that's why Paul's like, you know, this is such a blessing. Mm -hmm. And it was an act of grace, definitely. God saving them from slavery and making them his people. However, simply knowing the laws doesn't make someone saved. Like the Pharisees in Jesus' time knew knew the whole scripture, but they yeah. weren't saved. Uh, why is that? Yeah, so like, you know, Paul continues with like this unfaithfulness, like, you know, I'm not saved. Uh, he's just explained like the Gentiles aren't saved, even though like, you know, they, they don't have the law. They're still stuck in their sin. Um, the Jews, they're stuck in their sin still with the law. Um, and so, you know, God, we know that God can't be with people who are um, unrighteous, like he is a perfect God. But then Paul's like, well, let's take a look at another section. Let's look at God's faithfulness to someone who is sinful. So this is like the next section. And um, it says, what if some were unfaithful? Unfa- Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. So um, looking at, he goes, he goes to Psalm 51, and he looks at David's life. As Psalm 51 is talking about um, David, he, he was out on the roof gazing, and he saw a woman bathing um first of all this first sin was like he committed lust with her in his heart uh because we know that lust is idolatry and then he actually committed the act and so after he committed the act he got her pregnant and then he's like oh shoot i've been found out now i gotta murder someone so he murders her wife her husband and so you just get a picture of like this guy is absolutely wicked and evil. It, it even says, for I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. It, David knew how wicked, unfaithful he was. And underneath the Old Testament law, he was, he was called to like, he was actually called to die, like a life for a life. And, and so when God's like, you know what? I forgive you. I will remain faithful to you. Like, even though you have acted unrighteously, you have not been faithful to me. I will be faithful to you. I will love you, David. And that's profound. Yeah. But that's, it's an amazing, it's amazing. The, yeah. 
faithfulness of God in amongst human sin is a very big theme throughout scripture. Yeah. 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 Uh, and just because Israel sinned and kept sinning and even David, the most godliest man that we consider the most godliest man in the Bible, even though he sinned and everyone sinned, that doesn't nullify God's faithfulness. God is always faithful regardless of how faithless we are. I think there was a verse in Timothy I told you to pull out, right? What was that verse again? Uh, I can't remember. First I think it was, uh, first, it was First Timothy. Okay. First, uh, Timothy. first Timothy 2, oh, sorry, Second Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 13. It says, okay. uh, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Yes. That's just his character. God is always faithful. That's who he is. And God's promises will happen regardless of how evil and wicked humanity is. Even if no one believed in God, God's plans would still work because it's all because of him and has nothing to do with it. It's all his will and his will always happens and all his promises happen. Mm-hmm. And no amount of unfaithfulness will stop God's faithfulness. I think it's really encouragement for a lot of Christians uh, when we keep messing up and sinning. We feel like, mm-hmm. okay, God's just done with me. That's not true. God is always faithful, even when we're faithless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, well, and we've talked about this, like, I think we need to understand where we come come from. Where, first of all, we're not perfect in the first place. And, and Paul's spent, you know, last couple chapters showing that none of us are perfect. But here, God was faithful to us even before we are perfect and we're not even perfect. We're still not perfect, you know? So, you know, I think that we forget that God remains faithful in our imperfectness even before. Yeah. Yeah. He just remains perfect and faithful Mm -hmm. no matter what circumstance. Um, Yeah. So he's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, quoting from Psalm 61 is just amazing and self because uh, when he's quoting that verse, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. Paul's trying to make the point that God's authoritative word will prevail. Uh, man will not be judged on what men say, but the final judgment will be according to the standard of God's word. So that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. God's authoritative word will stand and be true regardless of what humans say. Yeah. And uh, going on to verse five, he's still talking to his imaginary opponent uh, that he just loves to talk to and loves to say bad things about. Um, Just because our unfaithfulness, like in verse five, but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall I say that God is unjust in bringing his wrath? I'm using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Just because mm-hmm. we are unrighteous does not, like, just because it doesn't mean we can continue in it to make God more righteous. Uh, obviously, God's righteousness stands out amongst everyone, like, because he's the most righteous. He's the standard of righteousness himself. Uh, and when we compare ourselves to him, we don't even stand close. And it just makes God stand out even more. And so we'll think, oh, it makes God stand out even more, brings more glory to him. So maybe we can continue doing this so God gets more glory. No, that's not how that works. God wants his people to live in righteousness as he is righteous. Uh, as uh, I think this is during the Sermon of the Mount, and Jesus says, 
uh, be holy as your heavenly father is holy. I think it was. No, be perfect yeah. as your whole, yeah. heavenly father is yeah. perfect. And then God says that, I think, in Leviticus to be holy as I am holy. He wants his people to live in holiness and righteousness. Uh, he doesn't want us to keep sinning and doing evil. He would prefer that we follow his ways and live in holiness. So he wouldn't want us to keep sinning just to make him glory because he doesn't get, it doesn't make God happy. It just makes God more angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God is not happy with human evil and sin. So would you, it's kind of like willful, willfully going into sin. It's like, I desire this. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what God does not desire. Yeah. Um, doesn't. So it's totally different than, you know, you know, I've, you know, I saw this, um, I, I, I took a couple more drinks than I should have. And I ended up going into drunkenness and I sinned or whatever, you know, it's not, it's not like, and then there's the difference of like, oh, I'm purposely going to get drunk tonight because I can, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like that's willful. Like, so there's a difference between willful and like, not, I wouldn't say accidental. Unintentional. Unintentional, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And God understands like when something's unintentional. Like I think I was just reading through Leviticus this week and there's a bunch of sacrifices that are required when you sin unintentionally and then are made aware of it. So God understands. I think yeah. that's uh, verses th- chapters three to seven in Leviticus for right. unintentional sins. Yeah. Uh, but once we do understand what we've done, we do need to go and repent of that. And uh, I think a good thing to get from this is sometimes we do make excuses for our sin. That's true. We we self-deceive ourselves. Just like this passage here, it's like, oh, you can see the self-deceiving argument. It's like, oh, well, I can make God's holiness more like brilliant by my sin. Like we're, we're very natural to like mm-hmm. self-deception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, Jesus died for my sins. God always forgives me. He's always faithful to forgive. That's what his word says. Yeah. So that means if God's always going to forgive me, so then I can just do whatever I want. And no, that's not the point. That's not what we should be doing. He died for our sins, yes, and God will always forgive his children, yes, but we're not called to live in sin. A good Christian sins, but does not live in continual sin. Like, yeah. we make mistakes, we mess up, we sin. A good Christian does sin and mess up. But a good, like a Christian, a follower of Jesus, did not live in continual sin. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just continual, and we've and we've touched on this before, like very briefly. It's just as coming before God each day um, and asking for forgiveness where you've sinned, because again, the heart is deceitful. Who can know it? There's a lot of un, unannounced sin that we don't even realize we're doing because we're so our hearts are so deceitful. And so just every day, it's like, God, I'm sorry where I've, I've sinned. I've fallen short of your holiness. Um, and then uh, living in freedom, walking in freedom. Once you've gotten to that, that point, you know, don't live in condemnation anymore. Mm. Um, I think one of the things as well is just asking God, again, I, I think I've said this, just asking God, like, what's, you know, where have I f- fallen short, Lord? Where, where can I improve? Where can I become more holy in my living? Um, like, where can I become more like Jesus Christ? How can I love um, people more? 
Um, what can I put away that will hinder me from running the race that is set out for me? Um, because Paul talks about this, not all things are bad, but not all things are beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what are things like, what are some things in your life that are not actually beneficial? Um, they're fine. They're okay things, but they're slowing you down from running the race. Um, and oftentimes we need God to reveal those things. Um, yeah, because they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily sins, but as Christians, we want to, uh, walk in a way that is becoming more and more like Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like as Jesus says in John 15, like if, if I'm in you and you abide in me, you will produce good fruits. Mm. Like you, it's a given. He says you will. He doesn't say you might, you maybe you will. So walking with Christ does produce good fruits in our lives. It, yeah. like we have to realize that sin is the reason why the world is what, as it is. We can just keep contributing to that sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So God's not happy when we sin. He's never happy with sin. So why would he want us to keep sinning? He doesn't. No. Uh, God is righteous and can't do anything unrighteous. And he wants his people to be righteous. And I find it funny that Paul has to make it clear, I'm using a human argument. He's kind of just saying this, like, this argument is so ridiculous. Like, I just, it's kind of funny. Like, it's kind of ridiculous to him. It's like, why would this even, why would you guys even think like this? Like, of course it does not. Like, when he says in verse six, certainly not. Uh, he uses this phrase a lot in Greek. Um, it's actually, like, the most, like, the most emphasis you could, like, it's probably the most emphasis you can put into, like, a certainly not, God forbid. Like, he's using the most biggest, like, most impactful word to say that in Greek. And you see that a lot. He says, certainly not. Or other translation, God forbid, or may it never be so. He is using so much emphasis in that word because it's like, never, it will never. Uh, and he's saying that for verse five, but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say that God is unjust for bringing wrath on us? Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Yeah. yeah. And then verse seven, someone might argue if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness, and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? And Paul's like in verse eight, why not just say, as some slanderous claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. That's, that's it. You're, mm-hmm. you're done for. <laughs> yeah. It's just, if you're, yeah, if you're going to think that way, then you're going to get what you deserve. Yeah. It's common sense. Like he's, it's, it's kind of weird like he's using an argument that sounds really stupid, but we believe it. But then he also uses, you know, uh, his ending is like their condemnation is just, and then he uses like another common sense um, phrase. Like, this is just common sense. Like I shouldn't even have to be arguing this with you guys. Like you should already know this, but I'm going to address it anyways, because, well, yeah, you're, (laughs) you make up pretty stupid arguments because you're human and you love your evil desires. Mm -hmm. So Mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah he leaves down, no room for do. go ahead yeah like all of us deep down we want to do those things like i'll admit like sometimes i do want to do those things we have to yeah. understand that that's not what god wants for us because he knows what's best for us yeah yeah he wants what's best for us isn't that wonderful mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter like sometimes i think oh you know my my sin is is just like man i love to um i love to have sex outside of marriage like man it's fantastic but you don't realize that God has something much greater and it's called marriage. 
and it's between one man and one woman and it is the most beautiful loving thing where you give yourself to each other full-heartedly for all all of life it is a gift something so wonderful yet somehow we just don't realize that that is everything it, it like god wants the best and that is the best um life life fully uh life that is fully pursuing god and his will will bring so much joy so much um flavor you know i think of taste and taste and see that the lord is good like he is so good mm -hmm. he's so wonderful and he will fill every uh, every inkling desire um and all this wickedness all all the sinful desires that we want to want to com complete or do uh, pales in comparison to what god has to offer so mm -hmm. yeah it's good yeah yeah so um that's pretty much it we're gonna be probably we're gonna move on to verses 9 to um 31 next uh episode and um but before that we'd like to actually just kind of pray for you uh, pray for you guys and just pray that god would um yeah remind you that god is faithful he loves you no matter where you've been what you've done um and he wants to give you something that tastes good he something that is so rich so wonderful um that you don't need to pursue unrighteousness um yeah so let's just pray about that right now um father god uh thank you that you you want to give us what is good what is best god thank you that you you want to save us from our sin you remain faithful God, even when we have committed sins that are so heinous, so disgusting, that we feel like puke on the inside. Lord, thank you that you will remain faithful. Lord, it's against you and you alone that we we sin. and But you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, Father, we're so grateful for that. Thank you that, um, God, you want to give us what tastes good. Lord, why would we ever consider, you know, sinning and, and doing things that are wicked and evil? Lord, you want to give us what is good, what is right. And so, Lord, help us to pursue what is right. Lord, let us taste what is good, what is pleasing and honoring to you. Lord, in our lives, thank you that you are with us and that you will continue to go before us forever and for all eternity. We thank you for these things. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Amen. We'll catch you guys later. Mm -hmm. See ya.